As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast, uh, the pregame show for Indiana Showdown with number 10 uh, Penn State. They came in last night at number 10 in the college football playoff rankings. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Co-host TJ Inman will be along shortly to go over the game with us. A lot to look forward to. Indiana trying to become bowl eligible, um, looking for that sixth win. They stand at five and four right now, three and three in the Big Ten. Uh, Penn State is looking to uh, keep the dream alive of a college football playoff berth. They need a lot to happen. Um, They need to win out and need a lot of help uh, to get in, but um, it's a big deal for them. It's the best they've been playing in uh, five or six years. So let's welcome in uh, TJ and TJ, how are you? I am doing okay, Sammy. Thanks, uh, thanks as always, for – for having me on and um i i'm very interested to see what happens this week because uh penn state is definitely a top 10 team there's no denying that but i do not believe penn state is actually one of the best 10 teams in the country uh we know that indiana typically plays pretty well in these kind of games uh and while i don't have immense confidence coming off of a, a sloppy performance against rutgers um, it's Indiana's five and four, and that's something to be excited about. So uh, it's it's very interesting because this is not a game that's going to get any national attention at all. But Penn State, if they win out, they do have a very legitimate chance of making it to the Orange Bowl. Um, or if a few things happen their way, they could end up in the Rose Bowl as well if, if somehow uh, Michigan and Ohio State both make the college football playoff or – some other wacky things happen in the rest of the season. But Penn State still has a ton to play for. Indiana still has a lot to play for. And while this is not a elimination game for Indiana's playoff hopes, uh, it, it would be really great to, to wrap up – or I'm sorry, not playoff, bowl hopes. Uh, it would be really great to wrap up that bowl eligibility with a huge win over, over a top-ten team uh, like Penn State. They're very good. I'm not I'm not taking that away from them, but – I just I have watched them a lot, and I don't think they're one of the ten best teams in the country. But uh, results have dictated that they've moved up to that. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll preview uh, what they do well, what some of their uh, deficiencies might be that Indiana might be able to exploit, and uh, it, it'll be fun to preview this one and a lot of fun to watch it. Hopefully. Yeah, and uh, you know, Penn State came into the year they started two and two. Uh, they got. You know, they they made a game of uh, what looked like to be a blowout at Pitt when, according to Penn State, they're not rivals. Um, and then it was funny because all that uh, the the Perduzzi, uh hashtag that was going around last week was started by a Penn State fan. 
um, or Penn State fan. So that was funny to see. But they are playing about as good as anyone uh, or as well as anyone uh, in the country right now. A lot of that has to do with uh, their all-world all running back, Saquon Barkley, who's uh, he's over 1,000 yards rushing already. Uh, he has, to put it in perspective um, for IU fans, he has the same number of carries as uh, Divine Redding at 167. Uh, Barkley has 1,055 yards, and, and Redding has 793. So you could just see how effective he has been. He's run for um, almost 300 yards more on the same amount of carries. He has 11 touchdowns. He's a threat out of the backfield. And uh, with, with the offense getting some of their receivers back, Saeed Black, uh, Blacknell uh, is back. He's a deep threat. Um, and, and Trace McSorley is playing really well as well. So this this team is coming in on a hot streak. IU is also coming in on, on a hot streak, winning the last two, being over 500 for the first time in November since uh, 20, uh, or 2007. So, um, you know, it, it'll – it should on paper be a, a great matchup. Uh, the games at noon uh, kicks off on a- ABC uh, ESPN two mirror. So do check your local listings. If you live um, out of the state of Indiana, I think it would be on, uh, it could be on either of those channels. So make sure you check your local listings, but th- this, this matchup on paper is, is as good as any as, as I use played uh, in the last few years. It's um it's a really good opportunity for Indiana. Um, uh, you know, Michigan or uh, Penn State, uh, what's most interesting about their offense is that Saquon Barkley is kind of a, I call it a true feature back um, in the sense that uh, much like Northwestern, they're not going to give hardly anyone else the opportunity to carry the ball. It's going to be, which I don't blame them. Uh, they're going to ride Saquon Barkley you know, Mark Allen has 21 carries, Miles Sanders has 15, and Trace McSorley actually has by far the second most carries on this team. And he's capable of, of coming up with big plays with his legs, particularly uh, in scramble situations. They'll run a few uh, true run design keepers for him, but it's going to be primarily scrambling that he does damage with his legs. But Saquon Barkley uh, is the guy that they're going to give it to. And in the last four games, uh, he's really had himself the time, 202 yards, 99, 207, 167. Uh, that the lowest yards per carry in those contests is 6.5. Uh, he's very impressive. He's going to catch a few passes out of the backfield, but primarily it's going to be handoffs to him, uh, and then they'll they'll set up the play action pass game, which allows Trace McSorley to throw deep. They do that as much as well as uh, or as much as anyone in the in the conference. Um, you mentioned the receivers that they have, you know, Chris Godwin, Dashon Hamilton, and then Mike Gesicki has had a, a pretty nice season for himself. Uh, he's caught between three and five passes in all but two of their games this year. So they'll still hook up with him a handful of times. Um, but it's the offense is, is somewhat uh, predictable. It's very tough to stop recently, but it's somewhat predictable. It's going to be a lot of runs to Saquon Barkley, setting up deep play-action passes, which uh, just based on what Indiana's defense has done this year, that's not a bad matchup for them. Like you said, it's a, it's a decent matchup for them to be able to go against. Um, 
they defended deep balls pretty well. Uh, the secondary has done a really good job of breaking up those deep balls and having good coverage on them for the most part. Uh, the big thing for me, when they Indiana needs to put Penn State into obvious passing situations on third down, surprisingly, Penn State uh, is last in the conference in third down conversions, converting just 28% of their third downs. Indiana's defense has done really well against third downs this year. It's been a huge reason for their improvement is that they're making plays on third downs. Just last week, they were uh, held Rutgers to one for 16 on third downs. So um, that's going to be, for me, where Indiana's defense is going to have to win the game is stopping Barkley or limiting Barkley on first and second down, forcing them into third and passing situations. Uh, if they can do that, and you can force McSorley's arm to beat you, he's capable, but I like that a whole lot better than allowing Barkley to turn out 30 carries. Uh, you know, if he gets up into that number, it probably means he's being successful, and it probably means that Indiana's defense is not getting off the field. So uh, that's kind of where, where I'm at with offense there. And I, I think Penn State's going to score some points. They're red hot on offense, so it's not – I mean, they're the currently the third-best scoring offense in the Big Ten. I think it's like 36 points a game or something, and they've been really good in their last four, really their uh, last five, really, since um, since that Michigan game where they got obliterated. So it, it's a very tough matchup for Indiana's defense, as it typically is when you're going against a, a good team. But I do think that there's an opportunity there if you can get Penn State into third down where they are forced to pick up more than a few yards. Yeah, I, I agree with you in, in that they, they've IU has played the deep ball pretty well. Uh, this is an offense that's that's very similar to Ohio State and, and yeah. Nebraska, where you know they try to try to go over the top and, and create that big play and pound you you know with the running game and and, and make you play in the box, um, but. You know, McSorley's only completing, I, I think, around 55% of his passes, which yep. is where JT Barrett and Tommy Armstrong were. We saw what IU's defense caused trouble there with him, with them, uh, in terms of limiting them to, to completions and completion percentage and, and picking off passes. Uh, this defense is, I, I think, hitting its stride. And, you know, you saw bone coverage against Rutgers. Uh, but you know, after that, that you know, these corners have locked down some of these receivers really well. And coming off of last year, where that that seemed impossible, like you you thought they would improve, but you didn't think that they would be this good um, in terms of of locking down receivers. But Ashawn Riggins and Rashard Fant deserve all the credit there, um, along with uh, you know the secondary coaches. But they they played really well. Uh, they'll have their their work cut out for them. Uh, Penn State is deep at receiver, and but it, it'll be a good matchup, and the matchup kind of plays into IU's hands. You're correct. So let's let's get into um, our matchup to watch. TJ uh, Alex put it out today uh, was T Gray Scales uh, against uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, T Gray is playing the best ball of his career. Um, you know he's flying around the field making plays. Wilson alluded, or Tom Allen actually alluded to this in the press conference on Monday, was that T. 
Gray made a play on the, on a running back or a receiver, the ball carrier, trying to he was trying to get out of bounds and, and Gray just you know yanked him right right out from a yard out and and put him down in bounds. So it, it's going to be strength against strength. What do you think um, you know the advantages are for the Hoosiers in that matchup? Gray Skills and Marcus Oliver. The play of those two linebackers has been so impressive. Uh, it's really fun to watch. It's not something we're used to seeing from Indiana, but they have been so, so good. Uh, and and it's, it's going to be vital for those two to have a really good game because of the play of Saquon Barkley and an improved Penn State offensive line. I think they deserve some credit as well. They're doing a much better job than they have in years past. Part of that is because Trace McSorley's not holding onto the ball as long as Hackenberg did. Uh, he's more mobile than Hackenberg was. Another part is their offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, I think has a better offensive design than John Donovan did, uh, and I think Penn State fans would heartily agree with that. But I do think that uh, another part is that the Penn State offensive line is more mature, uh, has more game experience, and has just improved some. So they've done a good job of allowing Saquon Barkley to have a nice year. Yes, he's very talented, but he can't do it by himself. So those things have mattered versus Indiana's uh, two linebackers there. And I think another guy I'd like to throw into that mix that I think needs to have uh, a very nice game is going to be the interior defensive line, uh, Hoff, um, Ralph Green, you know, Patrick Doherty sometimes in there. So McRae, Robert McRae, has, has seen more of the field, and he got talked about quite a bit this uh, this week by the coaching staff. Both Tom Allen and uh, and Kevin Wilson mentioned him a couple different times. Um, so I, I think that those guys, and since we're focusing on, on T-Gray scales, what you cannot allow is for Saquon Barkley, you can't arm tackle him because he will run through that, and you cannot miss tackles allowing him to get in the open field. He is deceptively quick, uh, very shifty, and I think he does a really nice job of identifying where the hole is and hitting it quickly. There's going to be very little dancing around from Saquon Barkley. Uh, He's going to get the ball. He's going to one cut, see the hole, hit it, and if he does, you're probably not going to catch him. He's had some very long runs this season, which have buoyed his, uh, his average. So, um, he is in the best form of his young career. Tigray Scales the best form of his career. I think the same could be said for Marcus Oliver right now, coming off of the game he had last week, and he's been really solid all season. Uh, the, the coaches talked a lot about his leadership developing uh, this past week. So it's it's an opportunity for the Indiana defense to make a statement that, and they've made it all year, so I'm not going to say, oh, it's time to find out what they're made of. No, we know what they're made of now. They've proven it time and time again, but this is an opportunity on a, uh, it'll be a nationally televised game against a player leading the Big Ten and rushing right now, the likely Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, because Michigan is so so balanced and spread out, and because JT Barrett hasn't had quite the season I think many expected He's been good, but I think right now Saquon Barkley would win uh, the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. Indiana could change that if they could have a nice outing against him on Saturday. That doesn't matter to IU. It's just about you know holding them down enough to win the game. But still, it's uh, it's an opportunity to make a statement that uh, they can do it against the league's best players. 
Yeah, and, you know, we'll get into keys to the game here in a second, but just we missed uh, Saquon Barkley last year in this matchup. Uh, he was a guy yeah. I was looking forward to watching. Um, so we we haven't seen him in person, and from all the, the games that, that we have watched, he's he's an impressive player. So this might be, on paper, the best matchup on our matchup to watch we've had is uh, Tigre Scales and Saquon Barkley both playing uh, really, really well right now, and you know there'll be some NFL scouts in, in Bloomington on Saturday. Uh, key to the game, TJ, we'll, we'll go over a couple each. Um, why don't we start with your first one? Well, the, the first one is, is going to be uh, limiting Saquon Barkley. You're not going to stop him, but limit him from having a huge day. I think you want to keep his yards per carry average. I think a very um, – I think a a goal that is attainable, but it will be very difficult, is holds his yards per carry average under five, and I think you will have had a tremendous day from your defense and feel really good about your chances. Allow it to creep up there where it's been at six, six and a half, and things get dicey for you because he's probably going to get the ball a ton, so that will mean a lot of yardage for him, uh, and he makes their offense tick. So that's my first one, but we talked about that enough, so I'll go to the next one. Uh, for me, it's a focus on Indiana's offensive line. Going against a Penn State defensive line that has 18 sacks in the past three games. They've really come into their own. They've got a number of players to get it done. It's not just one guy. Uh, it's Garrett Sickles. He's got five sacks, eight and a half tackles for loss. Evan Schwan, four sacks. Kevin Givens, three sacks. They've got a couple other guys with multiple sacks as well. So they have a deep defensive line that they rotate quite a bit, but Sickles and Schwan are going to be the guys that uh, that can wreck the game for you for Indiana, um, especially an IU offense that has struggled to overcome negative plays when they get inside the scoring zone. Uh, a Penn State uh, pass rush could make things difficult for Indiana if the line's not up to it. Uh, another focus for the offensive line has got to be that running game, which awesome against Maryland came back to earth against Rutgers, uh, was not good. They got called out by the coaching staff, by Kevin Wilson this week, the tight ends and the offensive line for not blocking well enough, not playing well enough on Saturday against Rutgers. Uh, they have, Penn State has held, they held Iowa to 1.2 yards per rush, Purdue to 1.8 yards per rush, and Ohio State to 4.2. Uh, the 4.2 number against Ohio State is very good. And then Purdue and Iowa are really struggling to run the ball, but still holding them under two yards per carry, that's impressive no matter who you're going against. So for me, I, I think Indiana's going to have to pass the ball quite a bit on Saturday because I, I just don't have faith that the running game can be consistent, particularly without Mike Majette, without Cole Guest. There's really just a lack of explosion in that uh, in that running game. The most explosive runner right now is Xander Diamant, and after that fumble that was scooped and scored, we didn't really hardly see him at all uh, against the Rutgers. So I'm not sure how much trust there is in that bacon and legs package right now from the coaching staff. Uh, it it was not used very much against Rutgers, and I don't really know. That might have been because the passing game was working so well, but I think a lot of it is that the coaching staff just believes that was a very temporary Band-Aid which they said, they said it was, and then that's kind of what played out against Rutgers. So 
I don't think Indiana's going to get the running game going satisfactorily. I, I, I'm worried about that. So I think Lego's going to be dropping back to throw quite a bit, and it's important Indiana keeps the pressure off of him from an improving Penn State pass rush. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And the bacon and legs package, is, as we've dubbed it, is you know had their moments. You know they they scored yeah. a, uh, a a long touchdown early on with it, but it um, created two fumbles and a, and a scoring opportunity for Rutgers. So we'll see how much the the coaching staff goes back with it. Uh, see how Indiana can uh, adjust um, adjust it to you know, what they've seen other teams, uh, you know, try and defend it. Uh, my my mm-hmm. first key to the game is, is going to be special teams. It's vital that Indiana plays a clean game. They were very, very lucky uh, to get out of Rutgers with a win with the mistakes that they've made. Uh, they, they fumbled a kickoff return that set up a Rutgers touchdown from 21 yards out. They left 11 points on the board. Uh, via missed kicks uh, or dropped snaps. Uh, so they need to get that cleaned up. Uh, Griffin Oaks is, uh, you know, psych- uh, psychological uh, issues have been a, a big talking point this week. So they, they've got to figure that out. Uh, you can't, this is a team that you can't leave points on the field against. Um, the IU should have beaten Rutgers by probably 20 or 30 points. Uh, they didn't. Uh, but they got the win, which is the most important part. But this Penn State team is, is too good to to survive those kind of mistakes. And they're a team who's going to come after the kickers, uh, going to come after, you know, return men. So, you know, if it's windy, guys got to be aware uh, of where they're lining up on kickoff, how deep they're going to be. And, and the coaching staff has to be aware of that too. If, if you know that they're kicking into the wind, maybe move Devontae Williams up a little bit, you know, five or ten yards, and he won't have to try and, you know, make a running catch like a, a center fielder in baseball, and, and that almost cost him the game there. So special teams is going to be huge. Uh, the punt game, you know, field position, it, it's been it's been pretty, pretty good all season, but, you know, Joseph mm-hmm. Gideon and, and the punt team have to continue to – uh, do that well. And then, of course, punt return. We haven't seen many explosive returns out of Mitchell Page, uh, a couple of them uh, that have put IU in position to score. Uh, but, you know, they need to continue just to take care of the ball, make the smart play. And, um, you know, if the return is there, uh, go get it. If not, you know, fair catch. Make sure you catch the ball and let the offense go to work. So that's my first key to the game. Um, second key to the game, TJ, for me, is going to be the IU crowd. Um, you know, it, it's a big weekend for IU athletics. Um, the basketball team is, is opening up the season in Hawaii uh, against Kansas at 9 o'clock on Friday night. So, it, Which is actually probably you know, it's, at 945. It's yeah, a doubleheader. Yeah, it's, it's tentatively scheduled for 9 o'clock. It is a doubleheader, so you know, usually things, you know, run late and they'll probably have the, the reviews on the block charge calls at the end of the game, which will, I mean, you might be lucky for 945. But uh, anyway, it, it's, a, it's a big weekend. It's, it's going to be a late night for, for IU fans on campus right. on Friday night. And to me, it's can, can they turn it around 
and get out for a noon start against the top 10 football team with your football team looking to get uh, bowl eligible for the second year in a row for the first time uh, since 1991. So, you know, there's no excuses anymore of, oh, they're coming off a bad loss against Northwestern. They're coming off of two straight wins. Oh, we're a losing team. They're five and four. Uh, the weather, it's November. It's going to be sunny. The, the high is in, in the low 50s. Uh, low is, I think, in the 30s. So it's not awful weather. The sun will be out. So can't say it's, it's you know, 35 degrees and, and misting and absolutely miserable. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what the crowd is. If it is a good crowd, I think that that'll pump up the IU, uh, the IU players. It should give them, uh, you know, uh, extra extra boost. Um and it could work against Penn State. Uh, it is a noon game. As I said, Penn State's coming off of, you know, two of their last three games are, are night games at Happy Valley. And this is, you know, a noon game at Indiana where it, you, you might see it as a letdown game uh, for some. But hopefully the fans come out and enjoy it second to last home game. Uh, it's a big game. It's a game they, they can win. And, um you know, we we hope that that students make it out. And you know, if I if I was still a student, I I mean, if I could afford it, I would get an RV and go out the night before, have the the IU Kansas game on the TV, have a beverage, uh, you know, maybe get a get a fire pit and watch it outside. And, you know, take a quick nap, get up in the morning, and and get at it again. But uh, unfortunately. Uh, not enough people buy up from our Amazon site, and I cannot afford an RV. So, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's it'll be interesting what this crowd is is going to be like and, and and whatnot. So that's my second key to the game is is just the atmosphere around um, Memorial Stadium. How about your second key? Yeah, I mean, going off of that, uh, how it's a winnable game, I. I know that Penn State has been impressive recently, but I, you know, you look at this current five-game winning streak since they got hammered by Michigan. No shame in getting beat by the Wolverines. Uh, I'm not counting that against them, but you look at the winning streak since then. Uh, they beat Minnesota in overtime. Okay, all right. You know, Minnesota seven and two. Um, okay, good win. They they beat Maryland pretty handily. That's nice. They beat Ohio State in a game that was a statistical anomaly. Uh, that's not a game that they'd win very often if it was played out like that again. But they did what was necessary to get it done. And they beat a Iowa team that is walking dead. I mean, they, they do not look like they're enjoying themselves in Iowa City right now. Those were all at home. The one road game was a, a contest to Purdue that they were tied at halftime. Uh, so, you know, I think that there's there's optimism or there's reason for optimism to think it's not a true top ten buzzsaw that's coming into Bloomington. Uh, it, it's a team that I think the players can look at and say, you know what, uh, we can play with these guys. And they, they know they can. They've done it fairly recently. I know it's a totally different team on both sides, but it's it's a program that Indiana knows they can at least play with. Haven't beaten them more than once, but uh, I do think that there's some reason for hope there. But uh, piggybacking off your special teams thing, I'll – I'll just go to overall turnovers and mistakes. Indiana has got to play a cleaner game. If they have as many mistakes with turnovers, special teams miscues, scoring zone chances blown, 
all the things that are said to be quote-unquote little things that everyone that follows football knows, those things really matter, particularly in games against opponents that are better than you. Uh, if they make those same mistakes, they will lose to Penn State by 28 points. Uh, and it might be worse than that because Penn State is not going to beat themselves. and They're not going to allow Indiana to, to not pay for the mistakes that they make. Rutgers didn't make Indiana pay very often. Penn State absolutely will. Indiana has got to do a better job when they get into scoring zone opportunities. They need to convert those or points of some kind. That means making your field goals. It means converting to touchdowns. It means getting extra points. They can't have interceptions. They can't have fumbles resulting in scooping scores for Penn State. Their offense can do just fine without giving them help. So for me, it's just about cleaning up the mistakes that they've made. Unfortunately, turnovers have been a fairly constant issue uh, that seem to come in bunches with this Indiana team. It'll be, okay, we got that fixed, we got that fixed, and then you know, a, a game like Saturday where the turnovers just came right in a right in a bunch and it seemed like Indiana was really prepared to shoot themselves in the foot uh, as many times as possible to prevent them from winning that game. They did enough cleaning up at the end of it to get over the hump, get the win. Okay, good. Now you have to fix those mistakes. You can't make them again. Learn from them, improve, and don't make the same mistakes on Saturday as you did last Saturday. So, for me, that's going to be critical for Indiana to play a much cleaner, uh, I don't want to say more discipline because I don't think it's necessarily a lack of discipline. I, I would say the taunting penalties uh, that they had against Maryland were more a lack of discipline. Saturday against Rutgers, I think, was a lack of focus, uh, just focus slipping a little bit. In Richard Legault's case on back-to-back throws, focus slipping for Tyron Nati and Xander Diamant when they failed to secure the ball while getting tackled. Uh, I don't know about lack of focus with the kicking game. That's just a total cluster. But uh, I, you just you have to be mentally sharp for 60 minutes on Saturday. And if they do that, I think they can be in the game right up until the end and have a chance to win it. That's what you're trying to do, much like you did earlier uh, in the season when you said you wanted to make it a fourth quarter game, that's what they need to do against Penn State. It's just a matter of being the cleaner, less sloppy team on Saturday. And I, I have my doubts about whether or not that occurs, and I think it's I'll spoil my prediction. I think Penn State wins because Indiana continues to fail in the in the scoring zones. I, I, I don't think that's something that gets fixed at any point this season, but uh, I think Indiana will be competitive they will make some of these critical mistakes. I hope that I'm wrong in that, and that's one of my keys to the game is prove me wrong and fix those turnover issues, fix those scoring zone issues that have been a plague so far this year. Yeah, that that was the really frustrating part about Rutgers, and I, I think that's yep. what has everybody on, on edge a little bit is that they they didn't play their best, and it's frustrating to watch. Even even in the win, it's frustrating to watch. Um, but yeah. anyway, our uh, final uh, final key to the game, TJ, uh, to me, you know, is beyond the turnovers. Is is let's take advantage of of what Penn State gives us. Uh, let's not try and make, you know, you don't have to throw an eighty yard touchdown all the time. Let's 
you know, get that first down, keep the ball moving, play like we did against Michigan State, play like we did against Ohio State and, you know, for the second half against Nebraska where they moved the ball um, and, 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 Maryland, and then really. those small plays. And, yeah, and against Maryland where, you know, they took advantage of, of what the teams gave them. And you're right, the scoring opportunities down um, down in the red zone have to be better. You're going to have to do better than um, than 24 or 36, which is what IU sits at right now, and, and 16 to 36 in the in uh, red zone touchdowns. Uh, you know, maybe um, maybe running the the big bacon package a little bit more in the red zone uh, would help. You know, we'll see. I you know another big loss I, I think is Mike Majet. Um, who's yep. out with an ankle injury. He adds that explosiveness that is kind of missing uh, with with Devine and, and other runners. But, you know, and it's just more depth. You have a fresh set of legs in there. But, you know, it, it's – I mean, to me, it's let's, – let's, let's ignore history. IU is 1-18 against, um, against Penn State. Uh, but it's, they're 0-0 in 2016. So let's, let's you know, the team's going to have to put that out of the back of their mind. The fans are going to, you know, have to try and, and put it out of the back of their mind. Uh, and, and it's time to, to buck the trend and, and start, you know, changing it a little bit. This would be a big, uh, a big win for Kevin Wilson and his program. It would be a big win to get bowl eligible so you're not – sitting there on the edge of your seat during the bucket game, um, being nervous about getting bowl eligible. But to me, it's, it's just having a mindset that we're zero and zero against this team. We're going to take it one week at a time. Uh, you know, we have three weeks left and, you know, we're not going to win all three games this week. Let's just focus on, on the game ahead of us, which is what they've done the last two weeks. And, um, you know, it's right there for the taking. Uh, whether or not uh, they do that is it's it's up to them. So, uh, it, it's it's good to to see some of these guys get back as well um, and healthy. So, you know, final key to the game is you know just just focus on 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 Saturday and don't get ahead of yourselves and, and don't dwell on the past. So, um, that does it for keys to the game. Uh, TJ, let's let's get into predictions. Uh, you. Tease your prediction. You have Penn State winning. Um, go ahead and, and elaborate that, on that. I'll go Penn State taking this one 27-21. Uh, I choose 21, and I'm not confident in that because that would mean Indiana hitting three extra points, which is a dicey proposition right now. But do figure out how to get the extra points done. Uh, I think they'll miss a field goal on Saturday, though. And uh, I think that they will fail to cash in on a scoring chance or two while Penn State um, will connect on two field goals to, to be the difference. 27-21 in favor of the Indian Lions. I do think the Indiana defense will do a better job against Saquon Barkley than anyone has in the past month and hold him under 6.5 yards per carry, though. Uh, I think Indiana will play better this Saturday than they did at Rutgers. I think it'll be a game where they play uh, much better, actually, but just not quite enough to get it done against Penn State. But I think you'll—I think that I—I I feel like I'm going to come out of Saturday uh, feeling better about the performance than I did last Saturday, which was more of a you know hold your nose, uh, 
they, man, we somehow survived that, kept the season on the tracks. I think this will be more of a, you know what, they played pretty well, didn't quite get it done, but they played pretty well. Uh, it'll be a frustrating one to lose if, if that happens, but uh, I'm going to go 27-21 in favor of the Nittany Lions uh, with Indiana acquitting themselves well uh, on defense and more scoring chance frustration for the offense. Yeah, I went back and forth with this one, TJ, um, even to the to the last minute. Um, you know, Penn State's coming in playing excellent football. They're on a five-game winning streak. Uh, they're, you know, it's not a true trap game in terms of they're playing Rutgers next week, but they're they're sky high right now, and you know, strange strange things happen sometimes when you play IU. So I, I think I'm going to go, uh, you know, take IU in this one, 28-27. Um, they're going to shut down the deep passing game from McSorley, uh, get a few turnovers uh, and takeaways. Uh, and I think Camion Patrick's touchdown last week was the, the damn breaking on him. I, his mentality after coming back from the injury physically might not be 100% there, but I think that, that making that play uh, put him over the edge on just mentally coming back and, and feeling good about yourself and, and knowing that he could make plays like that so, uh, to me, I, I'm going to go the other route. I'm going to say IU's going to win 28-27. Uh, it should be a good game. It'll be good to be bowl eligible after this one. Uh, but it does come down to stopping Saquon Barkley, limiting the mistakes, uh, or eliminating the mistakes uh, in all. But, you know, maybe they, mm-hmm. they you know, sports psychologist uh, Kevin Wilson can, can figure out what's wrong with Oaks and um, – and or Del, Gro- uh, Del Grosso, and and uh, usually when that uh, usually when IU plays poorly in in a uh, in a phase of the game, the next week they come back and play pretty well. So I, I think that they'll they'll be okay in the kicking game. The defense should be all right, and, and Penn State's due for a loss, um, especially to Indiana. So and and they owe, IU owes them. They, Indiana should have beat them in, in 2014. Uh, it was a 13 to seven game. Uh, neither team played all that well, and it's just it's time to knock this team off and time to get bowl eligible. And this team now, IU is is rocking and rolling a little bit uh, in terms of confidence uh, with two wins in a row. And you know it, it'd be great to head into to Michigan week on a three game uh, a three game winning streak. So I'll go I'll go IU 28 27. Uh, and uh, and we'll see, wait it out, and, and we'll sweat it out as well. So that's uh, my official prediction. Uh, you could do with it what you want, um, but that's it. Yeah, hopefully you are the correct one. It would be IU's uh, first three-game Big Ten winning streak since 93, so that would be an accomplishment for sure. Yeah, so um, anyway, the game, once again, is at noon uh, at Memorial Stadium. Uh, it kicks off on ABC ESPN2 Mirror, so please be sure to uh, check your local listings if you live outside of the, the Big Ten footprint, and which is probably the entire country right now. But, um, you know, if you live outside of, you know, from Nebraska to New Jersey, uh, do check your, your local listings. Uh, for the game. Anyway, keep coming back to HoosierHuddle.com. 
follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, we'll be, uh, we, we'll have our keys to the game out uh, on paper later in the week. Our game day primer from TJ will be out on Friday. Enjoy the rest of uh, rest of the week and uh, get ready for a, a good game on Saturday. TJ, thanks for joining us as always, and uh, we'll talk to you hopefully uh, with a winning podcast either on Sunday or Monday. Absolutely, yeah. As always, great to talk football, and uh, hopefully, like you said, we'll be talking about uh, IU's second straight season of bowl eligibility. That would be tremendous gift on Saturday. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good one. All right, that does it for today's pregame show. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Remember, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Um, We're on Facebook as well. Uh, Come back often. We encourage comments, but keep it it as a healthy discussion. Uh, Don't, you know, attack anybody. but just, you know, we, we encourage healthy discussion. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, and enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.